Welcome back to Random Badassery's Neighborhood. My name is Chad Hall, and right now I'm taking off my mildly dressy jacket, leaving on my tie and putting on a cardigan. With me is Lam Wen, who is taking off his wingtips and putting on a pair of powder blue keds. Hello, Lam. Ha, my roommate has a pair of powder blue kegs in it, or keds, and they're sitting right in front of the door. <laughs> How strangely appropriate. How are you, sir? I am surviving. I am recovering from being sick for a week, as you know, but nobody else listening does. Man, I mean, how... Everyone, um, if you happen to know Chad or see him, uh, give him a high five. He's basically dragging himself, kicking and screaming out of bed to do this because this matters to us. Um, and regardless of what might be going on, on, on in our respective lives, we're going to find a way to make this happen for you guys. Which also means... If I have a coughing fit in the middle of this episode, you guys will have to forgive me. <laughs> uh, and as a consequence, um, luckily last week I said that uh, you might see an episode from us this week about the Cohen brothers. Uh, but we will not be doing an episode on the Cohen brothers today because I've been sick in bed for five days. So I haven't really had time to do any research. So instead, we're going to be doing a little bit something different. But before we get into that, we have a couple pieces of business to cover, or business, but maybe not business. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the creative monthly creative challenge. Last month is over. Um, we Obviously, that month, we only did two weeks because we came up with the challenge mid-month. Um, the challenge was for you guys to create things from the word mutation. Mutation was the prompt. Um so I wanted to say thank you to our friends Drew and Carlos. Thank you to Anna, and thank you to Roxanne. Uh, Lamb, we're putting up Roxanne's piece today, are we not? Yeah, I also have a uh, Brittany's. Um, well, by the time people hear this, it'll probably it will probably have been up for a day or two. Um, but um, I also have Brittany's to put up as well. She's producing something cool on the photo side for us, so I, I definitely want to make sure that gets that gets up as well. And uh, I did a piece, so I'm. Taking part in this as well, guys. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to do this every month. This is just going to be a continual thing. This isn't a limited time thing. So if you were busy last month, take part this month. And speaking of this month, uh, we'll have a new prompt. And I came up with the prompt last month. So uh, this month, the prompt goes to you, Lamb. Um, I, mine is going to be, it's, it's a little obscure, Um I, I've, you know, given that I'm a photographer, I've always had a, a weird obsession with light. Um, and I love giving open-ended prompts that allow people to be as creative, um, as they need to be and use whatever medium in order to, to gestate some kind of idea that turns into something awesome and artistic. So for me, I, I remember listening to Biophilia, which is a Bjork album. Uh, it was one of our artist features and, the uh, the idea of bioluminescence really struck me, um, both because of the the album art as well as um, you know the weirdness of some of the things that were in the album and the 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 artwork surrounding it. So, the prompt for this month for us is going to be, um, what does the word light mean to you? 
Um, so whatever artistic representation you may have for, for the word light, um, I assume that every single medium that, that representation is going to be very, very different. And I'm pretty excited to see what you guys come up with. Just even on the stuff that um, mutation, just the difference in, in the use of the word mutation that we've seen so far. I love seeing all the different ways that things shoot off, you know, like fingers from a palm. If the idea is the palm, there's just fingers shooting off in every direction with these ideas. And uh, if you guys listened to the last episode where we first talked about this, um, sorry, not the last episode, two episodes back where we first talked about this, I, I, I mentioned that uh, in order to grow this, we're looking for you guys to be leaders, to reach out to people, to invite people into this. Um, but there's a few things I wanted to say about that. Um, that I learned in, so not only am I asking you guys to bring people into this and I'm not only am I inviting you into this, but Lamb and I are both reaching out to people we know that we want to take part in this as well. And, uh, two things that I discovered in doing this, uh, first of all, follow up with people, you know, just, you ask them, they say, maybe they say no, or they say, yes, follow up with them. Um, the reason you want to follow up with them is because this is something, I think uh, I it never occurred to me before. I always figured, you know, I was in some way, uh, I would communicate with people as little as possible about something that I was asking them to do um, because I didn't want to impose upon them, uh, you know, we're busy. and I don't, But what I didn't realize is I'm what I'm communicating to people by only asking them once about something is I'm communicating to them that this thing is not important to me because I'm not following up. I don't show any interest. So why would somebody want to do something when we're showing what they, what's being interpreted as uh, no interest? So that's something to take into to account when you're when you're asking people to participate in something. Not only, I mean, this isn't you're not asking for you know a loan or anything. This is a fun thing. So you're asking for people to do something fun also. So don't feel like you're imposing on people by asking them to do something fun. Um, another thing that I also realized is, uh, think about the way that you ask people. And this is something that I, uh, somebody pointed out to me, uh, and I didn't realize I was doing it because, uh, it's, it's a way I think we're used to communicating to each other. Uh, and it doesn't come off the same way as it does in our head. So when I'm thinking of this creative challenge, I'm telling people, uh, I reached out to one particular friend and I said, I think this would be really good for you. It'd be a great creative outlet. Um, it'd be a way for you to really just, uh, start to make something and, you know, to really start creating. And what I didn't realize that somebody pointed out to me is what I was communicating to this person. Those weren't the words that I used exactly, but, um, what I was communicating to this person was that there's something wrong with you and I want to fix you. And this is how I'm trying <laughs> to fix you. And, and, you know, when you're telling people there's something lacking in their life, you're telling them there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with people. You know, you got to accept them as they are, as full people, and they want to believe that they are full people. Um, so you, when you communicate, what you, what you need to communicate is not why this is important to you for them to do it, but why it's important for them to do it. And not by saying there's something wrong with them, but by saying that – telling them the things that you see in them that are great and how uh, how this would benefit them, you know, like – being able to say, you know, this is this is a great opportunity for you to have another outlet for your creativity, another outlet for that wonderful talent that you have. You have so many. This is another way to reach out to 
uh, people that you don't know and a way to get exposure to an audience that you don't know. You know, that's another thing, too. We don't have a ton of followers on Instagram. Um, hopefully that will change. Uh, but it's mostly because we've been really poor um, as far as it comes to integrity with the Instagram in the past. We do stuff and then we disappear and then we do stuff. Hard to build an audience doing that. But the people that are following us on Instagram, most of them probably aren't following you and they probably aren't following your friend. So anything that people put up, this is uh, people that aren't going to see it. I mean, people that wouldn't see it when you put it up are going to see it. So that's, that's that's a small thing. But these are, you know, the way we, we, we communicate to people is communicate to them with generosity instead of with uh, what can be interpreted as a judgment, which is far too easy to do. Lamb, did you learn anything in inviting people? Uh, similar. Um, I, I think uh, I, I as I started to do it, I mean, obviously, it's easier with friends because they can be honest with you about how their reactions are. And I think because of that, I learned the right lessons early on. Um, for example, some people, um, depending on how you have a relationship with them, like with me and Brittany, for example, or Brittany and I, um, she and I shot photos together for a very long time. So we have a connection that's that's a little different. So me, the way I approached it with her was kind of giving her homework and she loved that. Um, and you know, in order to, to make it so that she stuck with something creative, um, giving her, giving her something specific like that. And it's almost like a, a homework assignment. Um, she said she liked a lot and it, it kept her fresh and on her toes about it. Um, for other people like Carlos, for example, I mean, the guy is super busy and he's, he's working all the time. So I had to ease him into it kind of. Um, so I think at least for me, when I'm asking, you know, personal friends, I, I catered my approach to the person. And I always thought about it before I asked them, like, who is this person? What does their life look like? And what is the most likely way for me to um, approach them um, and get them to participate without them feeling, um, you know, in, encumbered by the project or, or just overwhelmed by it? You know, I didn't want people to feel like it was a burden. But by that same token, I didn't want to just let it float in the universe either. You know what I mean? And by the way, guys, just to reiterate a point that I've mentioned every time we've talked about this, this con, I mean, contest, this challenge, this monthly challenge, it doesn't benefit Lamb and I in any way, um, particularly financially or anything like that. So we're not trying to get you to do this and get other, get you to get other people to do this because we're going to make money or something like that. We just, we want this to be cool and fun. And the more people that are involved, the cooler and funner it is and the more things we get to see. That's it. This is for us. This is for you. It's for enjoyment. It's for fun. It's for the challenge. We've talked many times on this podcast about the importance of creative challenges. So we created one. I'm also really, I'm also really excited every time you use the word funner. Sorry, carry on. I'm, I'm addicted to the word funner. I don't know why. Yeah, you've used the word funner like at least at least every other episode for like the past three months. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason, my brain just does not want to say more fun. It just does not sound more fun. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the it's one of those things that is proper English but sounds wrong. Sure, you know it's it's like the 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 instances in which uh, the. The times when we say uh, "and I" and "and me." Now, there are instances when you know some people believe that you're always supposed to say "and I," but there are instances when you're supposed to say "and me." And yep. but when you say it, everybody thinks you sound like an idiot because everybody thinks you're supposed to say "and I," but the actual proper grammar is "and me." 
And and to be honest with you, there are times where the and me, like I just had one of those instances just now, um, and it just didn't sound right in my head. Just didn't sound yeah. right. So I just I refused to do it. <laughs> and just to be grammar nerd right now, uh, if you guys ever wonder the instances when you're supposed to say and me or and I, just uh, so it would be like you and me or you and I, just remove the you and. And then read the sentence, <laughs> and you'll know if it's grammatically correct. This present is for you and I. Well, if I take out you and I, I would say this present is for I. Oops, I guess I was supposed to say you and me. That's how you know when to use the right one. But people are going to look at you weird. So maybe you'll do what I do, and you just say the word funner because it sounds better. I don't know. Because it, it sounds funner. It does sound funner. Um, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to point out something really cool, actually. In one of my follow-ups with uh, one of our friends, um, his name is Neto. Um, he's an amazing artist, and he's going to be participating in the monthly challenge. And actually, he already did participate in the monthly challenge this month, but he did, he did something that I wanted to point out. Um, when I was talking to him yesterday, you know, I asked him, I'm like, so what, what, what's up, you know? And he said, he's like, it failed. The piece that he was going to do, it failed. He did something. Uh-oh. He had this idea, and he put it all out there, and he put he risked something, and it didn't work out. He was doing a time lapse of something, and like the footage didn't come out. But I just think that's so amazing that he was so into it that he was willing to do something risky that uh, had the possibility of failing. And the first thing, or the first thing he said after he told me it fails, he says, "What's the prompt for this month?" And that uh, is. Nice. The, that is the epitome of so much that that we we talk about on this show is like yes failure is going to happen risk is important it's important to put risk out there and failure doesn't mean anything so just pick it right up what's the next prompt so cheers to you neto huh that's pretty cool um well so since we're not doing the cohen brothers we Talk last night, Lamb, I'm sure you remember, unless you have amnesia. <laughs> oh, man. But we had talked last night about, uh, I had run across some article, and the article, I guess it's officially called, it's like the worst long title ever, but I guess it's officially called, I kicked my start fo- smartphone addiction by retraining my brain to enjoy being bored. Um, it's not a very in-depth article, but uh, it was an interesting idea, this idea that we've uh, mentioned in the Neil Gaiman episode and a few times afterwards about the importance of, of boredom when it comes to creativity. And so I thought it'd be interesting if Lamb and I both read this article and kind of came in today and talked about the idea of boredom and where that takes us. So, um, of course, the link to that article will be in the show notes and instead of me carrying on further and further lamb does, did you want to uh say something about that article or start off kick off the conversation about boredom yeah what a great article um i think it's <clears throat> i think i think the biggest thing that that i got out of it is um you know i i typically fancy myself a rebel um in the world and i i feel like i i I fight against the establishment, even though that's completely not true anymore. That's the, that my youthful exuberance, um, justifying my current existence. And 
I think that the thing that I took away the most from it is this perception, this American perception that you have to be productive in order to be productive. Um, and I didn't really understand how deep of a hold that mentality had on me until I read that article. Like, I mean, you, whether you like it or not, as a, as a person that lives here, especially in the Bay Area, where everyone is just super busy all the time, um, there's, there's this expectation that you have to be busy, that you have to be doing something all the time. Um, and I fall into that trap. Like, I mean, I look at what my life looks like now and pretty much every waking second of my life is occupied by something. <laughs> so, um, it's, it, it was fascinating to, to really get a sense that, um, I, I mean, I, that I, you know, that obviously I, I fight that same battle too. Like, I mean, as much as I, I've, I think of myself as a creative person, I think of how little creative stuff I, I'm doing now compared to how much more creative stuff I was doing when I was younger, had let fewer obligations and had a lot more time on my hands, you know, and, and, and realizing how much of that, that time that I've lost is self-imposed. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to, to see that and to, to really take a long, hard examination of your life and realize how much of your, your own chaos you create. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where it started for me. And a lot of what this article is talking about is this idea that, uh, we're obviously, we're doing exactly what Lamb says. We're always doing something. We're always, uh, or at least telling ourselves we're doing something. It's like this false idea of productivity. Um, we're always looking at our phone. We're always looking at a computer. We're always looking at a screen, television, you know, whatever it is. We're always, always, always doing something. And uh, part of that problem is that creativity comes from uh, the same space where your mind wanders when you're bored. You know, you're laying on the grass for however long, we'll say 20 minutes, just kind of staring up at the sky. Eventually, your mind starts to wander and to see shapes in the clouds. And that's that's from your mind wandering. So that creative engine, it lives in that space. So when we're filling all of our space with reading things and looking at news and, oh, Trump did this, Trump did that, you know, whatever, you're reading 500 things a day about uh, something that the president's doing or something that another country is doing or something, you know, all of these, all of this inundation of information that we have coming at us. And that's probably the more important stuff that we're seeing every day. That's not including, you know, the the ridiculous things that we're seeing posted on Facebook and the photos that um, are neither important or neither unimportant on Instagram that are just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. All of these little things, all these different levels of important things that are coming at us every day and every second of our day is filled with these things. So where is our mind supposed to begin to create? Where where are we supposed to wander? <clears throat> One of my favorite words, which sounds like wander, is wonder. Where has wonder gone? You know, when we have Google, um, you know, before when you didn't know the answer to something, and you didn't have access to all that information. You had to wonder. And that's how we ended up with Greek mythology and how we ended up with so many things is people looking at things and not knowing the answer and wondering and creating stories. So that's kind of what this article goes into a lot. And then also... One another thing that they mentioned in here too is that all of those things that are coming at us, um, the social media, the online shopping, all of those uh, notifications, every single thing is designed to trigger your brain's reward system. 
and without going into a lot of detail because I'm not actually super um, knowledgeable on this area, essentially from what I understand is these things, they trigger your dopamine response. Your dopamine response is, um, is essentially how you feel pleasure from your brain. You know, when something tickles you, as they say, or uh, something excites you, that's dopamine being released in your system. These things are scientifically crafted to trigger that same system. So and the reason for that is because uh, we can become addicted to, to dopamine just as we're addicted to nicotine or to crack or whatever you want to say. So how do we get over those addictions? That's tough. But what is the importance of that? What's the importance of boredom? And that's really what we want to talk about today. What is the power of boredom? Is boredom a wonderful, powerful weapon or tool to put into your creative arsenal? Lamb, have you uh, have you tried any of this boredom stuff, and how does it work for you? Well, I mean, uh, you know, when we were doing that um, that thir- Happy Thirty Challenge, the thing I would do at night, where I would just lie there and stare at the ceiling for thirty minutes, I found myself doing exactly what you're describing. You know, wondering a lot more, thinking a lot more about um, our ex- our existence on this planet, and just all kinds of stuff. Wondering how chip flavors are made, or why why soda had to be corrosive to your teeth. I mean, there's so many things that your brain wanders to. Um, and I, I don't think it's any accident, by the way, that the word wander and the word wonder are so close, um, in, in their, in their, 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 I don't even know how to describe that in, in, in what they sound like or, or what they represent. Um, I will say though, that I, I think that, that learning to be okay with boredom is actually not that easy. Um, and I really think if, if we're going to give people anything to take away from this episode, one of the really useful things that we can try to do is help come up with a way in which um, we can break people of the addiction of busyness and make them okay with the idea of boredom. Um, you know, almost like we're, we're creating a rehab center for, for people who are overly busy. Um, I definitely think it's not something you can just choose. Um, I definitely think that it requires practice and habits and making sure that you create the right environment to allow you to be bored. Um, for example, um, I, I after work these days, there are times where I just I'll, I'll just take a drive and go somewhere totally random, uh, leave my phone in my glove compartment, stare out uh, at the world for a while. And, and and in that moment, I I think that boredom is kind of the wrong way of of putting it. I think the the article says it's it said it best when. Um, it said that you have to allow your mind to wander more. Um, I think for me, that's 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 what boredom becomes when boredom ceases becoming boredom, and you realize that there's a freedom in boredom. Um, I think that that freedom is the evolution of boredom into wonder. Um, so I think that that it's definitely something that I think we can hammer out here. I, I assume that the solution, like the solution for addiction, is very different from individual to individual. Um, even though there are certain there are certain cornerstones that hold true um, to breaking any addiction. For example, um, removing yourself completely from the environment in which um, you have access to the uh, the addictive thing. I mean, I know that that's hard for for us in our respective lives because what we're talking about is becoming unaddicted to things like being too productive or overly productive at work and not being very productive in our own lives. Uh, being addicted to technology. I mean, these are things that we still need in our lives. We just need to understand how to 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 moderate them in such a way that they don't control our, our, our 
our idle time. You know, our idle time is precious time where our brains can make magic from the world. And without that idle time, the world is very black and white. It's very, it's very solid, um, so to speak. There's no fluidity in our, 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 our thinking. Um, and I think that that is something that, that, you know, I think you and I can hash that out throughout the course of this episode is how do we let people, how, how do we give people the tools to break free of the, the, the productivity cycle and to become okay with the idea of being bored um, and then eventually getting to the point where that boredom turns to wonder and that wonder turns into creativity. I think that one of the really important, uh, one of the really important principles to understand before even getting into any of that is what you guys, what we all, not just you guys, but Lamb and I as well, all of us in the, in this modern world, need to understand is what the difference between feeling productive and actually being productive. Uh, and what I mean by that is we tell ourselves that we should be doing this. 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 Uh, because we went, we must always be doing something, you know, we must always be reading something. We must always be consuming something, because that's being productive. We're doing something that matters, something important. But we need to actually look at the things we're doing and ask ourselves, is it really important? Am I really doing something productive? <clears throat> now, remember, productive is related to the word production or to produce. So the question is, are the things you're doing producing anything? Now, obviously, um, vacuuming, things like that have to be done. And cleaning the mirror in the bathroom every once in a while, cleaning the seat on the toilet every once in a while. These are important things in a different way. They don't really produce, produce anything, but you have to do them every once in a while. Otherwise, they're just gross. Um, but for the most part, what we should be doing is looking at the, at the things we're doing that make us feel productive and ask ourselves two questions. First question is, what is this producing? You know, what goal is this is this aimed towards? In what way is this moving something forward in my life? And the second question is, is it doing it? Sometimes we tell ourselves it's doing it. You know, a great example, when I was younger, I would write. I would sit down and I would write. Uh, I would just kind of start a story, but I would never really finish them. Hmm. So... I, what I could have asked myself is, well, I feel like I'm being productive, but am I producing anything? And that's a tough, you know, in a situation like that. And the reason I bring that one up is because it's a tough, it's a tough question there. Uh, in some ways, you could say, no, you're not creating any stories. So what you're doing is a waste of time. But I value writing. I want to produce a novel one day, you know, especially my 20-year-old self, my 21-year-old self. I wanted to produce a novel. I wanted to produce a screenplay, whatever I wanted to produce. So what I was doing was actually not a waste of time because I was learning. I was crafting a skill. So the question to my, uh, the answer to my second question there would have been, is this moving towards that goal? And the answer is yes, because you can't make those things if you're no good. So th those are, those are important questions. You need, you have to ask yourself. You, you need to know those things because, you know, checking your email, we've talked about this, uh, I think, two episodes ago, the idea of checking your email first thing in the morning, 
You know, that's being productive. Is it really? <laughs> that's so true. Or is it derailing you first thing in the morning? Is it wasting time? I mean, is it taking you down a different path? You know, when when we go into a day, we have an idea of what we need to accomplish in that day. And sometimes it's on a subconscious level. I like to figure it out the night before so that my brain can figure that stuff out while I'm dreaming, um, which is what it's built to do. But, you know, if I have one big thing that I need to do, say, today... And that was record this podcast. Well, if the first thing I did was wake up and look at my email and there's something that needs to be done, maybe not this second, but something needs to be done today for something else. Well, what if I let that derail me and I did not record this podcast? Well, this important thing to me is now out of, out of, out of whack. I've derailed it. So maybe I should have recorded the podcast first and then check my email afterwards. So understanding the context of those things are really important. You know what's interesting too is um, context. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, but I, I, I kind of want to take a, a more meta step back here. Um, and this this kind of goes with what has been happening um, with the, the Happy 30 Challenge and me being bored and allowing my brain to wander a little bit. It allowed me to problem solve my own life, especially creatively, much better. And come to some really interesting conclusions that I never thought I would come to. Um, and and I'm going to throw them out on this episode now uh, because that's just what we do. And they're going to be, they're shocking to me to even say out loud. Um, and, and, and even weirder for anyone who knows me and defines me by some of these things. But, but let me, let me just, let me just get them out. Number one, I don't really think I'm a writer. Um, I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't juice me up like it used to, you know, it doesn't really, it's never really been something that has made me that happy. Um, but what I have decided though, is that I'm probably a much better poet and a much more passionate poet than I ever was a prose writer. And, um, as much as I did journalistic writing for a while, I think that was just to satisfy a certain need of, of, of mine to, to feel like I was being altruistic, but I actually feel like in the long run, I'm more of a, a screenplay writer than I am, um, any sort of novelist. So, um, I'm, 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 I'm allowing myself within those, those dark moments to stare up at the ceiling and wonder about the world that I live in to, to, to break through some preconceived notions about what I think the world should be to me and, and what I can then do to focus on the things that I actually really do care about. Like I really, really care about poetry. I really, I, I've loved poetry my entire life. Um, you know, I really, really care about photography. So I, I should probably do more photography stuff. You know, I, I don't really care to draw that much. I don't really care to paint that much. Um, but man, do I love painting with light and doing photography stuff. So it's, it it's what that, that, that wandering and wondering has allowed me to do is, is to actually see the paths in front of me a heck of a lot more clearly um, when it comes to what it is that I really want as, a, as an artist and as a person, you know, like I really care about music, um, to a degree that's hard for me to explain to other people. And I don't do a lot of music because I, I feel like, um, I, I've, I've created too many jumbly things in my life that have occupied too many spaces of time that make it so that I can't go and sit in front of a piano for two hours and just play till my hands hurt, um, which is what I used to do. So, the, the great thing about being bored is that it, it's allowed me to see these things more clearly um, and allowed me to, to really prioritize what it is as an artist that I really need in order to stay passionate about creating things. And 
in the boredom itself, I've now created the vessel by which I will have enough time and energy to go and do some of these things. You know, it made it so that uh, for anyone who who's following my, my personal life at, at present, I'm quitting my job at some point in the near future. I'm going to be, um, you know, and, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my current job is because it's taking up too much of my time. You know, like the commute is, is grueling and the office time is, is difficult. So now I'm looking for a job that allows me to be remote at least two days out of the week and eliminates a good portion of my commute just so I have more time to focus on these, these things that I really do care about, you know, things like poetry and photography and how, at least for me, they've always gone hand in hand. And that's the amazing thing that I, I didn't realize until now, which is odd, um, considering how long I've been doing both is that to me, they're the same thing. Um, even though the, their physical manifestations are very, very different, they, they, they hit the same part of my brain. And they, I care, I care about them the same way. So, you know, it stands to reason that, that I would, I would do them again. Cause every time I do them, I'm so much happier as a person. So now instead of trying to make my artistic things fit into my life, I'm trying to make my life fit into my artistic endeavors. And that sounds, that sounds odd, but I feel like doing so at least even, even in the thought of, of doing, cause I haven't done it yet. You know, I'm in the middle of doing it right now. Like I'm interviewing and I'm finding jobs and stuff like that. But even the prospect of just having that energy and time back is so exciting to me that I, I, I feel rejuvenated in a way that I haven't in probably a decade. It's, it's amazing. Well, cheers to, to you taking all of those things. You're taking risk. You're using bravery. You're using creative creativity to challenge yourself and to come up with new, uh, solutions to your life these are things that we talk about over and over again in these shows in these shows so it's it's i think it, it deserves taking a second to acknowledge that you're actually living them so bravo to you it's this stu- it's this <laughs> it's this stupid podcast chat <laughs> i feel i feel like a you know to to go back to catch on the ride a little bit i feel like a phony I feel like a little bit of a phony if I don't live up to the the words that we we spout all the time on this podcast. Because I mean, you know, we 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 we're the we're the gathering point for so many bits of artistic wisdom from so many people far wiser and far more experienced from us, or for far more experienced than us. And I think that you know, if we if we're talking about these morsels of fantastic artistic wisdom all the time, why not practice some of them too? <laughs> Absolutely. And in, in line with that, we came into this episode today to talk about boredom. So last night, I decided to create a boredom challenge for myself. Now, I think uh, if you've been listening to this show long enough, you've realized that there's a good balance between Lamb and I. Uh, when one of us is being extreme, the other person is being uh, more tepid or more cautious. And in this case, I will be the extreme one because I decided if I was going to do this boredom thing, I was going to go in hardcore. So what I'm going to suggest right now, some of you may not necessarily be ready to jump into as a starter. So uh, you can figure out a lesser form of what I'm about to describe. And that makes it sound a little more dramatic and maybe it's not as extreme as what I think it is. But what I did last night is... Um, and I want, I want to talk a little bit more about this later, but I turned off my phone 
And I don't mean I put it down. I mean I powered it down. I turned it off. I did the same thing with my iPad. I have my computer off all the time. Um, and I turn off the TV. I put a pillow on the ground. I put a piece of paper, a pencil, and I laid on the ground. And I said that I was not going to do anything for one hour. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. First of all, when you when you sit down to do this, uh, if you're going to do this, the reason the pencil and the paper are there is because there are going to be a million things that are going to pop in your head. And I don't mean a million creative things that are going to pop into your head. I mean a million things that suddenly are important that you should be doing right that second are going to pop into your head because of this idea of productivity. This idea of, or false productivity, you must be doing this, you must be doing that. The paper is there so that you can write it down and let it go because it can wait an hour. And then and something else pops in your head. Write it down, let it go. It can wait for one hour. So the paper is there so that you can feel that you're not missing out on that important thing. Oh my God, I can't forget to go buy that thing on Amazon. Yeah. Because salt for my neti pot is really, really important to buy right this second. <laughs> so what I want to describe a little bit is the experience that I went through. Um, instead of giving advice necessarily, this is this was my experience and what I learned from the experience of laying there for one hour. So I have like this little like uh, gel ball thing. You know, it's supposed to be for like stress or squeezing your hand. What I like to do is I like to lay on the ground and throw it up at the ceiling and catch it, throw it up at the ceiling and catch it. And that's what I did for an hour, basically. And what my experience was is the first thing, before I started throwing the ball, actually, the first thing is laying on the ground. The first thing that I wanted to do laying there, being quote-unquote bored, which I had no idea what that meant anymore, was I wanted to close my eyes because my tendency is, oh, I'm not doing something, therefore I should be sleeping. Which means that I'm operating in a binary mode. Either I'm moving or I'm sleeping, moving or sleeping. And that means that I have absolutely no boredom space in my life at all. That's what that told me. Uh, another thing that I want to do is, oh, maybe I should be meditating. No. Because meditating, the process of meditating is to work, to learn to clear your mind. The purpose of getting bored is to let your mind wander. You know, in, in mindfulness, we talk about the idea of uh, an idea comes in your head. Acknowledge it and let it drift off. You don't follow it. You let the idea drift away. But when you're getting bored, this is my thought process. I'm going, I'm here to be bored. And that means that when my mind wanders, I have to follow it. I've got to chase that rabbit into the bushes. So I did, I did not allow myself to meditate. So the ball thing was good because it was kind of doing something, but it wasn't using up any uh, mental energy. And what I, what I really discovered was how addicted to my phone I really am. I, I, in the first 15 minutes, which by the way, when you're not doing all this stuff that we think we're doing, 15 minutes is an incredibly long period of time. <laughs> If you could see so all of the all the things that I wrote on this paper in 15 minutes, 
I said, my my God, I've had more thoughts in 15 minutes than I probably have in two hours because uh, things are being thrown at us. So we're not thinking, we're reacting. And there is there is a difference there. Uh, it, was, it was kind of incredible. And how many times, uh, I'm sure you guys will experience this part of it. I'm sure this part positively will be a shared experience for anybody that tries this experiment. You're going to find about 305 reasons that you need to grab your phone now. Like I said before, oh, I, I need to order that, that neti pot salt. I used the last package. Oh, I should do that now before I forget. Um, what are the other ones? There are so many other ones. You know, just little things. Oh, I should text message that person. Oh, I, I text messaged Lamb before I started doing this. He may have replied. I should check to see if he replied. Oh, I wonder how many likes my thing on Instagram has. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like literally like 300 things that suddenly I thought I had to do at that second. None of them. None of them were important. None of them couldn't wait an hour. So that in a way goes back to where why I was saying what I was saying about understanding whether something's productive whether it is truly productive because there's a million things we're going to think of. That's why that paper's there. All I did was write them down on that paper. And you know what happened to most of those when I got to the end of the, ep- I mean the end of the episode, the end of the one hour period was most of them just went into my to do app because guess what? An hour later I realized, well, I don't have to do this right now. So what that was to me was that was the addiction that was withdrawals, right? My brain, my sure. brain was was craving that that dopamine, so it was coming up with excuses for me to grab the phone so it could get its fix. How crazy was that? Oh my god! Um, some some other things also I noticed after thirty minutes. There's there's another phase. You start to think of bigger things. At least um, I did. Now, like I said. The, the addiction part, I'm sure, will be the shared experience. Everything after this may just be me, but I'm hoping the experience will be similar for all of you. After 30 minutes, I started thinking of bigger things that I could be doing. Like, uh, my brain's, the creative engine in my brain started working a little bit. Like, oh, you know what? I could do this with the Instagram account for the podcast, and that would be really cool for people. Or, oh... Yes. Oh, oh, that part in the novel. I should. Oh, I could try this. So, I mean, I ended up with some very interesting ideas at about that stage. And I thought, oh, this is this right here. This this is the power of boredom. But no, it wasn't. That was just the beginning. After 45 minutes, it took 45 minutes to really get into what I would call the true state of your mind. And what I mean by the true state of your mind is your mind functioning the way or close to the way that it's supposed to function as opposed to this reactionary mode that we're all in. And we wonder why so many people have anxiety is because we are continuously uh, 16 hours a day because most of us sleep eight hours, 16 hours a day continuously reacting to things. So, of course, we have anxiety. Because we always, you know, we're, if we were tennis players, we're always on the other side of the net waiting for the ball. But but our brain is not meant to do that all the time. It's not what it's built for. It's, it's built to have quiet times and all these other things. So when you get to this 45-minute period, 
I found something that I forgot existed. Inner dialogue. I forgot I forgot what it was like for my mind to talk to itself. Huh. Which maybe some of you sound the way I'm describing it makes me sound like a lunatic. But um it's when you're talking to yourself. You you, you know you, instead of just having thoughts, there's actually a, a conversation going on. Well, there's there's um it's it's more expansive than just oh here's this and then this and then this and then this it's you start talking to yourself like you know i wonder what we're going to accomplish this month with the podcast i feel like in the long run this and, and you're actually having expansive thoughts and you remember how your mind works and i think that at 45 minutes to an hour once you get to that point that's that's really where the power of boredom begins. I imagine if I sat there for much longer than an hour, like if I'd gone for two hours, three hours, which is really gnarly, um, that I probably would have really found some powerful places. And I know this part's uh, a lot of me talking, and I'm going to get Lamb's input in a second. But one other thing I wanted to say is... It sounds ridiculous when I say if I had sat there for two hours or three hours. Because one of the things, the one of the big problems when I was sitting there is I felt like at first, until I started having these these thoughts, is I felt like I'm wasting time. I could be doing things. This is a waste of time. But even though it sounds ridiculous to sit there for an hour, two hours, three hours, why doesn't it sound ridiculous to us to sit in front of a screen and watch other people's fictional lives for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, <laughs> five hours a day. We're not doing anything. Well, because when you say it like that, when you say it like that, Chad, it makes it sound insane. But it, but that's exactly what the point is: is that it's insane. And it's it's crazy that the idea of of, of spending time with our own mind for long periods of time sounds crazier. Than this thing that maybe is actually to some degree fairly crazy, and uh, or or playing video games. You know, like hey, I'm not talking. But I love watching TV. I love playing video games. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. What I'm saying is, if we can accept those things into our lives and to have them take large chunks of our lives, why is it not reasonable to ask ourselves to take time for ourselves for that for large chunks of time as well? Just something, some food for thought. I really like the talk to yourself thing. Um, I, although it wasn't, I think, I think my process at what, for finding that inner voice was very different than yours in the sense that you did it in one continuous stretch of time. Um, I, doing the Happy 30 Challenge, by like the third or the fourth day, um, like every human being on earth, I just wanted someone to hang out with. And since I didn't have anyone to hang out with, I just kind of started hanging out with myself. Um and the conversations I had with myself were, were pretty interesting. And I realized at, at some point there, there are three, there were three interesting barriers for me. Number one, you have to, you have to be completely okay with the idea of talking to yourself. And as much as that sounds ridiculous, um, a lot of people have convinced themselves throughout the course of their lives that talking to yourself is insanity or akin to craziness. And that's absolutely not true. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is you have to 
be open to the the dialogue that comes from yourself like the questions that you ask you have to be okay with answering and i know that sounds i know that sounds kind of intuitive if you're talking to yourself but over time you find that talking to yourself means that you create a separate voice for yourself a kind of given a, a give and take um and then the third thing, which is the the one that I'm 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 fascinated by right now, is letting that inner that inner dialogue or that inner monologue. In this case, it's the inner dialogue because you're talking. I'm separating my inner self and my outer self as two different people, um, allowing that person to have conversations with you in your normal, regular, everyday life, <laughs> and allowing your brain to have someone to bounce ideas off of. Um, and everything that we're describing here probably sounds absolutely insane. Um, but it's it's it makes you at least for me it's made me a lot more sane you know it's given me a lot of interesting conclusions like all the stuff we talked about before or that I talked about before about um, you know realizing um, what what artistic endeavors I actually really cared about and which ones I really didn't care that much about um, all of that came from having a very defined inner monologue or inner dialogue and I don't think I could have come to those conclusions or made the choices that I'm making now about you know, finding a new job and finding a new situation or environment in which I can do the creative things I really care about more. Um, I don't think I would have done those things if I didn't sit by myself in silence for prolonged periods of time, having conversations with no one but me. Um, so in, in this conversation that Chad and I are having about boredom, I'm suddenly realizing how much power that has, has, has how much influence and power that's, that's given, back to me in my own life and how much more in control I feel now. Um, despite the fact that a lot of these things are, are still up in the air and they're still being rebuilt again, you know, I'm basically, I'm basically tearing down the house all the way down to the bedrock and rebuilding the foundation brick by brick and trying to figure out which bricks I'm keeping and which ones I'm not and which bricks I've, I've literally just had around because I've, I've just had them around. And at this point they have no, no tangible or logical reason for existing in my life anymore. You know, I, I'm, I'm tossing bricks left and right. And I feel like I, I have someone to, to show those bricks to. Like, I feel like this inner monologue that I'm having or this inner dialogue that I'm having, I'm, I'm not, sh I'm still not sure which one's right. So I'm just going to keep using them both. I'm just, you know what? I'm going to use inner dialogue. So the person I'm talking to, who is the newer, more objective version of me in my older age, um, can look at a brick and go, nope, you, you stop caring about that when you're 26, dude. Um, nope, you stop caring about that when you're 28. Uh, you really started caring a lot more about that in the last couple of years. So you might want to leave that brick around. Um, and yeah, I don't think I would have had the capability to, to make the choices and be brave and to be, to be sure, because I think, I think bravery for most people, um, and I know this is true for me, but bravery requires a certain level of certainty. Um, and the more, the more, the more answers you have to certain questions, the more you're willing to take that risk. And I feel like the only way that you can answer those questions is to ask yourself the right questions and determine, determine for yourself what answers make the most sense. But the, the only way that you can do that is if you break the cycle is that you, if you, if you shut down the productivity cycle that you've built for yourself over, for some of us over decades, um, and give yourself enough quiet time to really hear your own voice again, to hear your own thoughts again, and to really understand what that means for, for, for how you determine what your happiness is going to be and what direction that you go. 
that you'll go in order to, to find the happiness. And it's not just with work, it's with art, it's with life, it's with friends, it's with relationships. You know, all of those things get redefined when you have a chance to really take take a long, hard look at what, what you care about and, and determine, you know, whether or not like your current relationship is right for you, for example. You know, are you getting are you getting positives out of that relationship? Or are you getting the things that you need as a person out of that relationship in order to in order to live a, a, a happier life? You know, th those are all questions that that inner dialogue allows you to ask yourself um, and be really honest about. But the only way that you can do that is if you start taking the duct tape off the mouth of that inner monologue or inner dialogue and, and allow that 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 person, that version of you, that objective um, version of you to, to, to speak again. And it's definitely an inner dialogue because there is, there's a back and forth, an argument at times, uh, in one of the books, I, I, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called fully present. One of the books that I was reading when I was going through trying to fight my way out of all the anxiety. Um, one of the things that they talk about in that book is the idea that there is, there's two versions of the self at least. Um, they don't say at least, but I think it that at least belongs in there. There is the, I can't remember the term they use, but there's, there's the active voice. The voice that's saying, you know, it's like the voice that creates the stories in our life that creates the, the sense of, of this needs to be done now. And, uh, the, the one that says this person's being a jerk to me and, uh, or this person is, this person's working against me. I, it's, and it's not always negative. Sometimes the voice is positive, but it's the active voice. But then there's the more passive voice. The more passive voice is, is the observer. And that observer voice is the one that says, wow, look at that. I wonder what that is. And we live in the active voice so much because this uh, sense of urgency that we live in, the sense of this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this reactionary state that we continually live in requires an active voice to to respond to it because these are things that are being thrown at us. So we must be able to throw back answers. So you need the reactionary voice to throw back these answers. But what we forget often, and this is probably the heart of, of what Lamb is saying and the heart of what boredom does for us is it gets us in touch with that second voice again the observer voice and the observer voice is the questioner not the questioner with purpose but the questioner with curiosity the questioner that asks things because it actually wants to know the answer you know there's a difference between asking somebody how's work because you want to take the conversation a specific way but then there's another way where you say how's everything going for you at your job and what you mean there is, I want to hear about your job. Please tell me how your life is going at your work, because I'm curious. And those are two different ways to ask questions. The second one is true curiosity. And that's the voice that we're trying to find inside of ourselves, not only with other people, but with ourselves. Because the way that we get to the path of what you're talking about, this this idea of, of looking at things in your life uh, to question your reality or the choices of, of, of your reality uh, is to get to that true curious voice, that true questioner. So it's definitely a dialogue. It's dialogue between those two voices. And I think that dialogue is important. You don't want to quiet the active voice either because the active voice is, is the actor. It is the one who takes the action. But without the questions of curiosity, 
and the and the dialogue between the two of those, we lose touch with the self. We lose touch with who we truly are, and when and, and that's perhaps also uh, where a lot of this anxiety we feel comes from too is because we are not existing, we are reacting, and there's a huge difference. Like I said before, that 15 minutes at that that first hour. The reason I did an hour is because it, I think you need to, if you have a huge block in your life, like a phone addiction, you need to break it down with a battering ram. You don't want to pry it open. You want to bulldoze it. So that first 15 minutes, it's a long time. It's a long time because 15 minutes is a long time when you aren't subjected to a manufactured sense of urgency. And that's what we live in. Do not fool yourselves. It is not a true state of urgency. It is completely and utterly manufactured. And we need to get back in touch with, with the questioner within. And to really do what Lamb's talking about. Hey, what what is important to me? You know, you might not come to a conclusion like, like, they, like he did, that he's not a writer. But you may come to a conclusion that you don't like your job. And then you have to ask, start asking yourselves the curious questions of like, what does that mean? Is there a way for me to make enough money to support my family doing something else that brings me more pleasure? Because we often, we make these choices and we stick to a belief that maybe necessarily is not the truth, but we feel should be the truth. No, there's no other way that I could make money to support my family. First of all, if you ever say, no, there is no way, 99.9.7, uh, that's too many points, 99.97% <laughs> of the time, you are wrong. You're fooling yourself. You, you tell me in a world that we, in the incredible world we live in, with all of these things that you can't find another way to do something than the way you're doing it right now. That's bull. What you're really saying to yourself and what this time alone will help you realize is what you're really saying is, I'm scared to try something else because if it fails, I could derail my life. Sure. The risk is scary. I know that even in my current situation, I have a palpable fear of that, you know, like as much as I, I'm on this bravery kick, there's still a part, I mean, you, no one is 100% brave all the time. You know, you can't be brave without having the fear of losing something. Otherwise it's just recklessness. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I definitely do have that. I mean, that's, that's it. And, and there's nothing wrong with being afraid. I mean, I, I, I know that, that we talk about not having fear in your life a lot on this podcast, but you know, it's like not being nervous. Um, it, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be, you're going to be afraid of certain things. You're going to, you're going to have difficulties with certain things in your life, but that doesn't mean that they, that should stop you from doing those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the certainty is difficult too. And I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I'm, I'm sorry, man, I derailed your train. Where, where else were you going with that? Oh no, I was just looking for your response. Keep going. <laughs> well, I think that we don't talk about that enough. Um, at least, at least for me, the cost of bravery. Um, and I know that's kind of a weird statement, but there are definitely things that you have to, to sacrifice. And, you know, as Todd said, it's, 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 it's tough because the only way that you can really 
you can really sacrifice those things in a way that is effective in your life is you have to bulldoze them. You have to go through them full speed. You can't pry the door open, as, Ch as Chad said. You have to run full, full speed as hard as you can through them. Um, and I think one of the, the biggest the biggest doors that I've rammed down in the last couple of years of my life is the, the, the inability to accept the word should. Um, and with every passing day, I hate that word more and more because it, it's, it's crippling, um, to most people. It creates, it creates a life and a world in which they feel like they need to live a certain way, whether that way is the right way or not. And the word should, like no one should ever have the right to say that to you. No friend, no family member, no other artist. I mean, the way that it should be, the way that it should be approached is, hey, maybe you might want to try this. It might work for you. But there is no person on this planet who knows your life better than you do. And there's no person on this planet who knows what solution will work better for you than you do. So take those shoulds with a huge grain of salt. And understand that that if you allow, the only person that should really be giving you any kind of should in your life is yourself, you know, is is that that inner that inner dialogue that we're talking about, like that that other person that knows you, no, like no other person can, and who can give you answers and insight that are very specific to your perspective. Um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a personal it's a personal objectivity that is rare in this world. Um, and I know in this particular case, because we're talking about the thoughts of, of you and yourself and your, your ideas as a person, that it sounds like subjectivity, but it's not. It's personal objectivity versus external subjectivity in the sense that if you talk to a friend or a coworker or whoever it might be, they're going to have a lot of opinions on what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. But the only person who, who knows whether any of those things are valid at all is you, you know, who, who are the, they don't know your life and sure they can offer insight. I'm not saying that you shouldn't accept some kind of insight from people, but, but be, be weary of those who are willing to, to dictate with certainty what they think your life should look like in most instances um, I, 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 I can't accept those things as being right. They, I, rarely do I ever feel like those things are, are said from a perspective in which, um, they're trying to help you and, and more so from the perspective of they're definitely just trying to impose what their idea of life is on you to validate it for themselves. And you have to realize when that's happening, it's really, really important to recognize when people are trying to push their view of life on you in order to validate it for themselves. I would say even greater than that, not just don't accept shoulds from other people, don't accept shoulds from anyone, including yourself. Um, one of, one mm -hmm. of Tony Robbins fa favorite quotes is people love to should all over themselves. <laughs> uh, the problem the problem with they should is a should insinuates a but every single time. I should go mm -hmm. to the store, but I'm tired. I should do more exercise and lose weight, but I don't feel like it. I mm -hmm. should get a job that makes me happier, but I need to make a certain amount of money. And the chances of finding a job that will pay the same as this are slim. Let go of the shoulds. Mm -hmm. Because the shoulds are already negating the possibility of everything. Instead, want. I want mm -hmm. to do this. Because a want 
can either end there or lead to an and. I want to find a better job, and the only way I can do that is to figure out what ones are available to me. I want to lose weight, and that's going to require exercising. I want to spend more time with my wife, and I have a job that makes that difficult. It's, it's, it's learning to use language in, in a way that we don't think about enough. You know, it, it's it's kind of like a lot of a lot of what we're talking about today is is about realities and these accepted realities that we have, and some of that is the language we use and the accepted realities of those languages or of those of that language. When when we when we choose realities and we we do choose realities, we choose what we believe. We choose it every day. We've. We've mentioned this before with um, emotional states. You know, we choose to be angry and we choose to stay angry continually. Um, we, we choose these realities as well. And you would not accept, most of you would not accept somebody telling you, uh, for example, if you are a, a typist, is that, is that a job anymore? It's probably not a job anymore. Data. If you are data... data <laughs> If you are a, a data, um, what do they what do they call the people that that type up data stuff for companies? Um, I don't know, just data entry, data entry, data entry person. Yeah, that's the word I was yeah. looking for. If you are if you are a data entry person, not because you wanted to be in data entry or because you like data entry, but because it was the job that was available when you needed a job, and now it's ten years later and you're still doing it because it puts food on the table and it pays for the heating. And the water, which gets more and more expensive every month. If somebody told you, uh, we'll use you for an example, Lamb. Say that's you. If somebody told you, Lamb, you are a data entry person, and that's all you'll ever be. <laughs> that's 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 all that's available to you. Just accept it and deal with it. You would never accept that from someone. You would never. You would be so angry if somebody told you that. How dare you limit me to that? Oh yeah, I can think of. I I I, I can think of a number of expletives that would follow that. Um, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast too. I, I hate it when people tell me that I should be something. <laughs> so why do we accept that same type of talk from ourselves? Hmm. Why do we Why do we allow ourselves to be abusive like that to ourselves? We do that all the time. I hate this job. Well, every time that you say you hate that job, but you don't do anything to change it, you're telling yourself exactly that. This is your job. This is all you're going to be. This is what you have to do. You're you're limiting yourself in the way that you would never let somebody else do it to you. That's gross. Huh. I've never thought about it that way. That's pretty fascinating, actually. It's it, it, wow. It's these chosen realities we have. We choose to accept the fact that it's okay to abuse ourselves. That's a fact. We continue, you know, we use the phrase beat ourselves up. And I wonder if that's just because I, I wonder if it's just because we're not friends with that person that is us. You know, the person inside of us that 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 has the strong sense of, of self-preservation and holds on to that for us. I mean, I wonder, I wonder why that is. I wonder what the origin of that person is and why they're, they're such 
there's they hold so they hold so tight to what our conception of what our life should be is well i think a lot of it and obviously there's no way that i can know or you can know the answer for everyone but i i do think a lot of it comes from we just have false sense of reality you know we think when we when we look at the world and we look at people that we know we assume we know what those people think about us so we create these shoulds not from ourselves we create these shoulds from things that we think other people are thinking of us so we're creating a fiction on top of a fiction you know i i i should keep this job i i should because it pays the bills and blah, blah, blah. Well, why are we placing that importance? And if you really trace it back, it's probably because, well, if I don't keep this job and then I make less money and I, I can't go out to dinner or whatever, my friends are going to think I'm a loser. Or my parents are going to think I'm a failure. All of these things, they all root to these these ideas that we have. And when when you have ideas like that, that means that you think that people are thinking that about you already. But they may never have said that to you. You may have created that completely out of your own mind. So I, I, I don't know, for me, I, I like I did this with you last week, is I, I asked you questions. Um, and I, I'm not going to go into it because it's, it's, it's all related to like a specific thing that I'm learning about right now. And some of it's probably proprietary. I don't know. But I would just encourage you to actually go to the people in your life that maybe, you know, when you're thinking these things, go to these people in, the, in your life and actually find out what they really think about you. It's really scary. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this too. He says, if you want to grow, is ask, ask the people in your life what they really think of you and be ready to take the brutal truth. I'll tell you what, in my experience, what I, what I learned is I actually expected a, a lot more negativity from people that I asked questions like that to. Than I got, which means that I have a poor image, uh, a poor concept of of the image of myself in other people's minds. So that means I beat myself up all the time because I think that other people can't stand me. That's what that means. Wow, that's a fast, that's a fascinating exercise, though. I think I'm going to try that this week. I'm just going to go to people I really care about and ask them what they really think of me. <laughs> I feel like that's the next step in my, my evolution as a person is that I need to, I need to come to terms with who I really am and what that means for where I'm going. The one advice I would give is, uh, or maybe two advices is one, make sure that they understand that it's a safe place to say what they're going to say. Cause some people are really nice and they won't want to tell you that you're lazy if they think you're lazy. So you need to make sure that they understand why you know that it's important to you. That's that's the the person who told me this idea you know, said that that was really important to make clear is that uh, the reason you're asking is because you're dedicated to growing. Um, and the other thing I would do is for me, I, I don't know that everybody would necessarily experience this way, but for me, I tried to say very little. I just asked the questions and said very little. Because I, I didn't want to get caught up in justifications or anything like that. And the only time that I would talk is if I had a question for clarification. And, you know, going back to that creative mind, that if you can go into these, if we, if we could all go into asking people what they really think of us with that observer mind, with the truly curious mind, 
imagine what we could learn and how we, I mean, because the point of this is not just to gather information. The point is, is to take the information and do something with it, right? You know, oh, I, you think that uh, I'm always late. Crap. I guess I better learn on how to, how to show up on time. Wow, I wonder. I wonder because I, I I feel like it's one of those those things. I I feel like I'm finally in a place in my life where I'm psychologically prepared to take that kind of honest truth about who I am as a person, and I'm 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 now really excited at the prospect of doing this. <laughs> I really want to know, like, and not only not only what people think of me, but what they think of how I've changed. You know, like what 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 things I've done over the, the, the last few years of my life in order to become better or worse at any given thing. I, ah, it's a really fascinating, I, I feel like when you're psychologically ready, everybody should try this. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's going to be a fascinating week. I'm going to, I'm going to start asking people. <laughs> Do you think that you're in a psychological place to, to take that because you have a better opinion of yourself than you did before? I do. Um, not only that, but I have a better opinion about my life, um, who I am as a person and where I'm going. Um, I think I have more clarity about that than I've had in a while. And I think a lot of that clarity comes from having so many difficult things happen to me over the last couple of weeks and months, um, is that I've survived it, you know, as bad as it's been or as difficult as it's been, I've, I've made it. And I think that, that, that because I've, I've survived a lot of that stuff and because I've come out of the other side with, with, with my head held high and my, my, my health and my, my wits intact, I, I, I have a stronger sense of who I am as a person. So I don't think it's about having a clear opinion about who I am as a person. I think it's just that I have a very clear sense of my value to myself and to the world. And I feel like I have a ruthless, a ruthless confidence in that as a person now. So I, I'm unwavering in my, my, my concept of myself as a person, um, you know, even things like deciding all of a sudden that I wasn't really that much of a writer and I was much more of a poet and a photographer. I mean, that that's probably the most honest I've ever been about my, my artwork or, or art of any kind. You know, I've never been that honest with myself. I, I would have, you know, if you had told me that like a, a year and a half ago, I would have, I would have laughed at you, screamed at you, and then probably punched you in the face. Um, of course I'm a writer. Of course I'm a, I, I have been for 15 years. Well, maybe I'm not anymore. You know, and I think that that's, that's what that confidence really allows you to do is that it allows you to, to, to second guess yourself. And there's nothing wrong with second guessing yourself. Um, you know, it, it, and it's not even second guessing yourself. That's the wrong way to put it. It's to be the ability to reevaluate yourself and the ability to do that in, in real time, um, in such a way that you, you, you can then allow yourself to move forward. I think that's part of the reason why the prospect of, of getting honesty from people is really fascinating to me is because I might have blind spots. You know, I might have things that I can't see in myself. I might have things that, that I'm so used to doing that I, I don't understand. I don't understand how and where, um, they've changed or how they've, they've modified over time. So I, I, I the reason it's so exciting to me is because I'm sure that other people can give me a clear sense of those blind spots and, and, and how I can navigate them. Um, but you know, um, like I, like everyone says at some point or in some fashion, you know, you can't fix a problem until you're aware of it. So, um, I think having that clarity from other people will definitely give me a stronger sense of what I need to do. 
that's that's really cool i can't i can't wait man i i don't i don't think you understand like that's that i'm i'm so looking forward to doing that i'm probably going to start right after we're done with this episode and start putting the word out there that i really want to talk to people about you know hey i i want you i want to know what you think about me because i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to grow change learn and move on to a bigger, better version of myself in life. And I feel like the only way that I can really do that is to take a hard step back and look at where, look at the things that I've done, look at where they've gotten me and look at where I want to go and what I need. I think one of the, the reasons that it's hard to take that stuff when you are in a different state of mind than you are in right now, where it doesn't excite you, it's because it terrifies you, right? And it terrifies you oh, because you don't you don't want to hear what could possibly come out of people's minds. And I think <laughs> of course. for 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 that it's you know it's it's probably if you feel that way, which Lamb and I both have. I don't feel that way anymore either. But it for me when I evaluate my life, it was because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything. I was doing stuff, but I wasn't doing stuff. You know, going back to that, once again, that productivity versus true productivity thing. I was doing things, but I wasn't producing anything. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't progressing. I wasn't accomplishing. I wasn't doing anything. So, of course, I was terrified to hear what other people said because the only value that I had left for myself at that point was the hope that other people didn't think terrible things about me. But when you actually have something to place value in in yourself, when you're actually accomplishing something yourself, when you're actually doing something, then you can take that truth because you don't need to hold on to that. So that's, I mean, one of, one of the really cool things in, in this uh, learning the truth of things uh, one thing my sister told me, she was, uh, for most of her life, she was notoriously late for everything. Like she would, I guess, uh, she told me one time there was a, a dinner of some sort that they were supposed to go to. It was like at, at six or something, but everybody told her it was at five because they figured if, if they told her five, then she'd show up close to six. And what she never, ever realized in, in all of that, in, in the complete oblivion that many of us live into in regards to other people, is she never realized what an insult being late is to the people that you're late to. That, w- that whatever you're doing is more important than them. And uh, just... The, the impact that that had for her, uh, she's never been late since she came to that realization because she realized, oh, this, you know, I, I was doing this stuff because I was, you know, stuck inside myself. And there's a certain level of, of reality that we have to come to accept. And one of those realities that we have to come to accept is that excuses don't mean anything. Reasons don't mean anything. For example, if you are late to something because you, you know, say it's a business meeting. We'll say it's a very important business meeting and you are a half hour late because you had a flat tire. That's a valid reason. You're not being a jerk. That's a real true valid reason. But guess what? 
just because it's a valid reason, it doesn't take away the impact of being late from those people that had to wait for you. So when when you have you, when you have good excuses, if good excuses won't won't take away the impact, imagine what the bad excuses do. And that's a certain level of understanding about yourself is that your actions, we talked about this last week, your actions matter. The things you do mean things to other people. That also means all of these little things that you do, all these impacts that you have on people's lives, those matter as well. Being late 10 minutes doesn't matter to you, but maybe it matters to other people. It probably does. Uh, forgetting forgetting to do something that you promised somebody that you would do for them. That matters. You know, for the audience, there's times that we've said we were going to do things and we didn't do them. I bet you that mattered to them. There's at least one person out there that wanted to see that thing that we promised we were going to do that we didn't do. And you know what that... Sure. You, you, you want to talk about the reality of what people see of you. The, when you when you start asking people asking people these questions, you're going to realize that anything that you get back, criticism of things that maybe you could do better, you know, the, in places that you're lacking or the people see you're lacking, it's going to be those things. It's going to be those things where you did not take into account other people's feelings and your impact on other human beings. And that's... I mean, if you can start working on that stuff, you know, that that's the exciting part. You know, you said you're excited. That's the thing that excites me is if you can work on those things. Imagine if you could go through and ask these, the same thing of people and only get amazing responses. You are the best son in the world. You are the best husband. You are the best wife. You are the best mother. And know that they actually mean it. Wow. That's a life. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even cons- I didn't even think of that. And take that same exact mindset and apply that to your creative life. Imagine if you were a painter and you went to other people around you and you asked to say, "So, what do you really think of me as a painter?" Ooh, that's really scary. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Art is vulnerable. Oh, sure, that's that's real scary. And somebody might tell you is like, "Well, you you." You do really good figures, but your shading sucks. And imagine if you took Oof. that with an with an honest mindset <laughs> and said, "Well, I guess it's time to take a you know take a give myself a one month course in shading and understanding light." And and you imagine you conquered that. Wow! Guess what? You just leveled up. Wow! You know, like these concepts, like the. the we have these ideas when we come to these episodes, but when you and I start really talking about it, that's when it starts really sinking in for me what the real meaning of these things are. Wow. Imagine if you lived your whole life like that. Man, that's crazy. I mean, I'm thinking just from this episode alone, I I personally have three different things that I, I I think may be life altering that I'm going to do. And I would have never come to them if I didn't, to didn't, you know, and I think that speaks a lot to, to not just the power of, of, of doing something like what we're doing, but the choice to do it and the choice to keep doing it. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that there's anything in my life now on a consistent basis that teaches me as much about myself or what I want or what I want to do as, as this podcast does. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, and I think this is, this is 
part of the power of what we're doing, not just for ourselves, but for other people is that we come to these things naturally. <laughs> you know, like I, if, if <laughs> I wish people knew, like if, if people knew how much we prepped going into certain episodes, they would, they'd be shocked. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like for our artist, um, feature episodes, like the, the Cohen brothers, I mean, we're, we're six weeks deep into trying to, to basically dive through the career of the Cohen brothers, um, which by the way is, certain artists just have monumental amounts of work, um, and, and such unique processes that studying them is just inherently difficult. But for the other episodes, uh, Chad and I have gotten to, to a, a, a rhythm in which I feel like we just bring profundities to each other. You know, we just, we just basically bake each other wisdom cakes and we just exchange them, um, during the episodes without really knowing what the flavors are. Um, and the amount of, 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 impact that they can potentially have, um, on the other person is sometimes, sometimes a level of impact that you can't really anticipate. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing to have that, that, that creative, that creative person or that creative process to bounce things off of, um, and make realizations towards. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I think that's fascinating. Carry on, man. I, <laughs> I'm still kind of at a loss. Um, um, as to, to, to like how, how big of a difference this particular episode is going to make, uh, for the next week of my life, I'm, I'm going to be doing what I thought I was going to be doing is going to be really different now. <laughs> I actually came to a realization, um, myself was it yesterday or the day before I spent a lot of time in bed when I was sick. So a lot of, I, I guess I spent a lot of wondering and wandering time without even realizing it. Although very impaired because my sinuses were full and thought processes don't work as well when your head is full of stuff. Uh, but one of the things I, I realized is there are hundreds, if not, no, let's say thousands, definitely thousands of books out there that deal with things like creativity, that deal with things like productivity that deal with things like, uh, I guess, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about here, if you want to give a generalized term, but is uh, self-improvement or if you really want to be uh, genre-specific, self-help. There's millions of books out there with these ideas. Not millions, thousands uh, of these books out there. And I came to the realization that why am I not reading those? And, and, taking tidbits of those and bringing them into every episode. And I don't mean reading the books, but you know, like, you know, if I'm reading a book and they talk about like, say this article that we, we base speaking of prep guys, literally for me. And I, I think probably the same for lamb. I came into this episode with only one thing prepped. I read that article. Oh, and I did the board. I did the boredom um, exercise. Those are the two things I did for this episode. That's it. I just came in here to talk and figure things out with Lamb. And imagine if that article, which spawned everything in this episode, had been part of a book, right? So if I start reading these books and I'm able to find these little tidbits and bring them into the episode, and even, you know, maybe not as lucky as to have one that spawns a whole episode itself, but spawns an important part of an episode and brings value to you everybody, including Lamb and I, why am I not doing that? So what I've decided is I am going to make a promise to you, Lamb, and to the audience. 
that at least uh, I'm always I'm always reading like four or five books at the same time. Um, one of the books that I'm reading will always be one of those types of books. And every time I stumble across some kind of gem or some kind of thing that we could discuss, I'm going to bring that into the episode. Because the the one thing that I always fear, and I think in the intro to the last episode, I said it about the intros to the episode, I fear us repeating ourselves at some point. And the way to prevent that is to continually find new ideas. And the reason that that's important is because you know, Lamb said there was, there's things that we have talked about in this episode that, that are life-altering possibly. I want every episode in some way, maybe it's not going to be that for everybody, but I want people to walk out, some people to walk out of every one of these episodes with one thing like that. And we can't rely on just the two of us to come up with all those because, wow, we are great people, but we are not that great. But there are so many great people that have written so many great books that we can find those things and we can bring those things to you. And so that's my dedication to you guys. You know what? I, I'm going to do that too. I mean, I consume stuff on, on, on a daily basis. I, you know, there's so many things that you and I talk about pretty much daily. There's something that we're talking about when it comes to, to technology or art or, or, or progress or anything like that. So why is it that we don't just, yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's a, a, a weirdly severe lack of it in the actual podcast itself. And yeah, if you're going to do that, I will too, just cause it makes logical sense. We're going to talk about it anyway, um, as individual or uh, offline. So we might as well talk about it online. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's kind of along with the the realization that we had the last episode about why are we, you know, not inspiring people in our lives the way that we intend to inspire people on this podcast. Is it's also this realization of, oh, why am I reading this stuff for my own self edification, but not bringing that to the people that I want to inspire? Whoa! Whoops! Sorry about that, guys. Duh. <laughs> there's this invisible gate between our lives and and the podcast and we're slowly uh dissolving that gate you know i think right now it's like chicken wire you can pretty much see through the whole thing but there's just a couple strands left we still got to finish breaking down well i feel like the biggest thing is just the realization that we can live the podcast and i know that sounds i don't know that i don't know why that sounds um ridiculous now i mean that sounds totally intuitive of course but you know you have to come to these things in time yeah i mean we want to to be all of these things in the podcast so why don't we just be those things in our everyday lives as well <laughs> ah man i i love it i love how how both very smart and how very stupid we can be at the same time that's the beauty of it isn't it that's the beauty of it yeah it's amazing i love it i love it well, here's something I want to tell you guys while we're still here. A couple um, odds and ends on the en uh, end of the episode. Good place for ends. Um, so I, I had said before that uh, the ratings and reviews were gone in iTunes. They're back. They have returned. So as always, if you like this show and you want us to find more listeners... It would be really, really awesome of you to go on to iTunes and take the four minutes at max that it takes to write a two-sentence review or more if you're really generous and just tell people that 
what this show is and what it means to you. If we've made any impact on your life, that would be the best place for you to express it because it would be something that is available to other people to understand. And as we talked about in the last episode, we are not going to be ashamed of the fact that sometimes we have impact on other people's lives because that is the purpose of this podcast. So if we have done that, which I believe we have, if I'm to believe the things that some of you have said out there, please go put that into iTunes. I want this to grow because I want the world to be a happier place and we want to be a part of that. Um, also, please take part in the monthly creative challenge. Do not be afraid if you are not a quote-unquote gifted artist. Please do it. For you, for us, let's have fun. Take part and do it. All I'm asking for is for you to make something. That's it. Put it on Instagram. Tag us with at random badassery so we can see it and share it. If for some reason you want to make it and you don't want us to share it, you can tell us that too. We still want to see your artwork. And there was something else I wanted to tell you, but my mind is slipping. Um, Lamb, is there anything you want to say? <laughs> um, I You beat me to it, actually. I, I really wanted to... This, this latest challenge thing that, that Chad brought up uh, um, in, a couple of episodes ago has been such a fantastic... Uh, way to interact with all of you out there. Um, we've gotten some fantastic responses from people on Instagram, uh, sharing some some great pieces of artwork with us, and we just want that to continually grow. And we want we want what happened with that one to happen with the rest, which is you know share it with other people, get other people into it, because the 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 the, the best and the best thing that can happen is that you have your friends, you know, doing something with you that's really artistic. And that's, that's, there's nothing cooler than that. You know, there's nothing cooler than, than being able to do something, something artistic together, um, and enjoying, enjoying what comes of that. So I encourage everybody to do the challenge. Um, you know, just to reiterate, to reiterate what the challenge is again, uh, what does light mean to you? Um, uh, in whatever medium it is, whether it's writing or a poem or a photo, a photograph or a picture or whatever it may be, what does the word light mean to you? Uh, and yeah, please participate and have other people participate. And as always, you know, please tag us on Instagram, um, or hashtag us on, 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 uh, I'm sorry, tag us on Twitter as well, or share it on our Facebook page. I still administer that thing as well. Um, so wherever it is that you want to share it, we, we just want you to share it and we want to make sure that people see your artistic creations and, and people see how creative you are. So, so please, please, uh, make sure that we get it so that we can, we can share it as well. Oh, and another thing, too, um, going back to the idea of following up with people, um, don't expect that people have to listen to the episode of the podcast to understand what the monthly challenge is. If there's somebody in your life that you want to be part of this monthly challenge, be dedicated to them. Say, I will contact you every month and tell you what the prompt is. They don't have to listen to us to do it. It doesn't matter. The point is to create things and to, to inspire other people to create things in your life as well. So I have a couple people that uh, maybe don't listen to the podcast that I'm going to, when we're finished with this, I'm going to message them because I told them that I would let them know what the prompt is after we decided what it was today. And oh, cool. that's just the way it is. And uh, also, one last thing from me. Uh, if you guys have been following us on Instagram and seeing the stories, we've been doing kind of uh, short 
question and answers back and forth for fun. You know, Lamb asks a question, I ask a question. Those questions are also always, always, always open to you guys. Um, feel free to send us a question. You don't have to send us a video question. You can send us any kind of question, any way you want. Um, and we'll answer those on the Instagram stories. And if you have a longer question that involves something more than a short little clip on Instagram, send those to us as well. Because if we collect enough of those long questions, we'll do something like we did before with the 20 questions face-off, but with your questions instead of our questions for each other. So please, please, always feel free to send us any questions or anything at all. We just love hearing from you guys. Ow!